0: The First known rules of golf were drawn up in 1744 by the gentleman golfers of Edinburgh in Leith, Scotland. Since then, the game has changed dramatically. Golf courses, equipment, and not least the rules. So where do I go when I want to learn about the rules of the game today? Well, I go to the Golf Rules Questions podcast with Blakey and Roscoe, of course. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to this week's episode of the Golf Rules Questions podcast. I am Roscoe, your able co-host, sitting here, pressing the buttons, putting the music on and trying to do all that stuff right, joined virtually again by the Golf Rules Guru himself, one and only YouTube specialist,
1: the Instagram Golf Rules guy that you all know and love. Blakey, how are you? Yeah, going well, Roscoe? Uh, I'm actually having some issues with my computer this morning. It's overheating. Uh, because of all the rules, situations, questions, uh, YouTube videos that have, uh, we've put up, and and getting lots of uh, you know coverage and uh, lots of engagement about the rules of golf. So yeah, having issues with my computer. It's a bit it's a bit slow and um, struggling. Great comedy work there, uh, Blakey. Well done. But there is. <laughs>
0: There is a computer issue with your overheating. And if it's from all of the stuff coming down, the Twitters, the Instas, the the, the web, web spheres, that's great that it is overheating. Um, it's been a big week off the back of the P. read scenario, which we obviously went into great detail on this podcast, also on the Mile of Golf podcast. Uh, both episodes rated very, very highly. A lot of people intrigued by those scenarios. I listened to a number of other uh, bits of commentary around that general consensus is that as you identified you know he didn't technically break any rules but the general feeling was that you know he's got form and you know it's up to him to uh, address and, and redress uh, and build rebuild his reputation and that was sort of like the general consensus
1: is that what yeah you, well, is that what you well yeah I mean as we sort of talked about um, you know there is the rule and how he proceeded um, you know for, for anyone else for you or I how he proceeded was actually correct but what reputation he he has certainly didn't look didn't look very good and uh big outpouring of support for rory you know yeah well we've got an update on that one too
0: oh really okay yeah well he i'll just finish from what i from what i listened to there was a massive outpouring of support and the general feeling was that you know it was it was wrong of, of patrick to try and you know Whether it was intentional or unintentional, whatever, but he, you know, it was appear appeared like he threw him under the bus a bit, and you know he is squeaky clean in terms of the rules. You know, like you know he put his ball down further in the rough, you know, to to, to worsen his lie when he had the opportunity for relief once. So you know he's pretty much perceived as being squeaky clean is our Rory, and uh, people didn't like that Patrick sort of aligned his situation to to Rory um, pretty clearly. And sorry, that update on that.
1: Yeah, so the update is uh, Rory didn't feel too uh, happy about how he did take relief. And it got emailed in either on the Sunday or the Monday. It got emailed into the tour that uh, one of the spectators or one of the volunteers that was near uh, that, that, that shot, near where the ball landed uh, on the 18th at Torrey Pines, Uh, had actually stood on Rory's bull. Didn't tell Rory, didn't tell anyone until they emailed in a day or so later. And so that would definitely compress your bull into the ground. That doesn't mean that it's a plugged bull, but Rory had no idea. It certainly would look like an embedded bull to to Rory when he got up there if no one gave him evidence or facts of someone standing on the ball. So this is now turned from a case, let's say it wasn't embedded and someone's pushed it into the ground. This is now rule 9.6. So the outside influences cause the ball to move and the ball needs to be replaced. Then we go to 14.2 D for a ball or for for a lie, of the ball that's been altered. And if the lie of the ball has been altered, uh, say by 9.6, by outside influence, then that uh, ball needs to be replaced or placed in a spot that is the most similar lie, nearest most similar lie known nearer the hole. So what Rory should have done if he'd known, if he'd known, he didn't know, he should have just placed it to the side uh, and instead of having to go through the embedded ball drop procedure.
0: But under either scenario, he's definitely entitled to relief.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Well, it's 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 a bit weird that someone would email in and say, oh, by the way, I, I was the one that stood on Rory's ball. Did they ad- identify that person? Did they you know, out themselves in, in sort of a public way and say, hey, it was me that stood on Rory's ball? They
1: didn't I, no, I, I, they certainly don't want to go down that path. And, you know, I hope... You know, there's so many more sort of situations that pop up here. Did someone throw themselves under the bus just to uh, look after Rory? Let's hope not. And, you know, if Rory says that it was embedded, um, pushed into the ground, breaking the surface of the ground, we all believe him. As you said, there was an outpouring of support for him.
0: Mm. So, read eyes are still on him, and that's only to be expected. Now, and I guess... Yeah, you know, this week we're going to cover off, we've got uh, the answer for last week's uh, clanger, clanger of a golfer. Oh, wow. It was absolutely- I've got so many. It was a perler that you uh, came up with. Uh, I'm assuming that it was based on real-life scenarios that you've dealt with in the past, maybe fictitious, but if it's fictitious, well, then, you know, here is the answer. If it does happen, and I'm sure it has the potential to happen. Uh, so we've got the answer for last week's golf rules question. Uh, we have a question that we haven't, being able to get to because you know the way that the uh, information comes through and what we choose to deal with. But we've got a question that, I guess, precedes last week's incident, but is related to last week's incident with Patrick Reid. Uh, so we'll cover that off. And that is from our good friend over in the UK, uh, unfortunately not playing golf at the moment, uh, Andrew Webster, or as we affectionately have termed him, and I think he's adopted that term uh, um, happily, is Webbo. Webber, how are you? Uh, and then we've got one from, uh, I can read the name here from uh, from New Zealand, um, from Fiona Blake. We've got a question from Fiona Blake to answer.
1: Any Maybe related to. Her. Okay, so you do know Fiona Blake? Yeah, she's a, her maiden name's Mackenzie as well, so Scottish blood. Well... We know who Fiona Blake
0: is, of course. Fiona, welcome to the podcast. Your young man over here is doing a wonderful job, and I look forward to getting into your question. Because if you thought that uh, if you thought that last week's fictitious golf rules question of the week was a ripper, this question is a is a ding dong, absolute ding dong. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that's me practising my radio voice. Uh, I need to find another way to pay for this equipment, so I might have to do some voiceover work. I got... how My Scottish accent's all right, isn't it? I, you, know, you got a bit of feedback that my uh, Scottish interpretation impersonation is, uh, which I think is actually genuine. Did you, did you get some feedback that could need some improvement?
1: Yeah, I got uh, feedback from an actual Scot hmm. uh, that your Scottish uh, Scottish voice accent needs some work. That was uh, from Fraser Nickel. We should get them on the podcast, actually. We will get them on the podcast pretty
0: soon. And, and try and plead my case that, you know, I am an actual Scot. Uh, I was born here in Australia, but the blood is 100% genuine. You know, like the malted stuff that comes out of the hills and through the distilleries, it's 100% proof, the blood. Uh, but I was born here in Curry, Curry New South Wales. Uh, proud to be so, from, uh, born in Curry, grew up in Cessnock. But uh, yeah, I might be a bit of a plastic. Um, some people say that, and that's fine. Um, but I do like my Scottish accent. I like my German accent too. Um, good. Yeah, anyway, we digress already. Uh, and then we've got the background bingo to cover off. And then we have this week's golf rules question. These golf rules questions are getting better. Well done. Okay, so last week's golf rules question. Let's get to that. It was the scenario where you are playing from, I think we uh, played from the bunker. We blade the ball across the green. I did that yesterday uh, where I played golf down at the national. It was fantastic. <laughs> On the 15th hole, I think, uh, 15, 16, 17, uh, the long, long hole over the hill down. um, Bladed it. Terrible. It was awful. Um, But then got up and down from the high side of the green. Thanks very much. Um, But I could have bladed it into my bag on the other side, on the back of a cart. TP5, I think we referred to it as, back into the pocket where the other three, two TP5s from the same sleeve were, and they were both fairly new balls, and we couldn't identify it. So that was a number of the question. Someone blades their ball over the green, it lands in their ball pocket. The balls are in there are all the same number. It's really hard to identify which one was the one in play. Uh, what happens?
1: Yeah. So this is a great question and uh, caught a few off guard. Uh, I sort of threw a red herring in there with the uh, other balls right beside potentially your ball. Uh, so. What we have to first establish is where is the ball? Well, the ball is known or virtually certain to be in the golf bag that's on the back of the cart. The golf bag, um, the cart, just like we saw with Brooks Kepke last week uh, when when his ball was in a shoe, uh, is a movable obstruction. All of it, the golf cart, the golf bag, are all movable obstructions. so it's known or virtually certain to be in the uh, movable obstruction, So, but we we don't know exactly where it is. We can't work out exactly where it is because we're unsure of which ball it is, okay? They might be half an inch apart, but you still don't know which one it is. So you can't proceed under 15.2 from A for movable obstruction because you don't know the direct point below Oh, geez, that, that, uh, I, I, that just, popped, I just popped a thought into my mind. But you can't proceed under 15.2a because you don't know which spot is directly below uh, where the ball has come to rest on the ground directly, the spot directly below on the ground where the ball has come to rest. But you do know that it's in the movable obstruction. So it's lost in the movable obstruction and you have to proceed under 15.2b by working out the point of entry the last point of entry into that movable obstruction. And from that point, you work out your nearest point. Uh, Sorry, from that point, you take the spot directly below and put a T mark there, whatever, move the cart, and then you've got your club length in which to drop. But what just popped into my head was if the ball was sitting on top of another ball, Right. Well, then there can only be one spot that it's directly below. I actually, I might, I might have to ask someone that one. I mean, there's only one spot. You can't get the direct spot on the ground below wrong. So I would think that you know the you know the direct spot of the ball. Uh, but then again, you can't identify uh, which ball is yours. So is it lost or – well, I, yeah, I'm in two minds about that one. But clearing up our question from last week, uh, because it was lost in the bag but it was known and virtually certain to be in the bag, you just work out your last point of entry crossed into that bag and then from there that's your reference point on the spot directly below on the ground. On the, directly, so, yeah.
0: so we're not copying a penalty for that?
1: No penalty for losing your ball in a movable obstruction.
0: Yeah, right. So it's like, yeah, okay, losing your ball in GUR. Thought yeah, not.
1: yeah. It's slightly different rule. GUR is 16.1, but uh, yeah, it's very similar. Okay. So you don't have to
0: take a penalty for not being able to identify your ball in your bag, even though you are virtually certain, you know, and we use the 95 plus percentile rule, I guess. Is that
1: right? Yeah, that's correct. At least 95%. In this case,
0: we've seen it pop in um, and you just take relief. Okay,
1: great. I mean, that's a a thing. Like if you hit your ball out of a bunker and it's gone towards your cart behind the green and you're not sure, you're, you know, oh, I heard it sort of hit something, but it could have hit the side. I don't know where it is. Then now you don't have your 95, at least 95% virtual certainty. So even if you do find two balls in there, um, and you're thinking, oh, did I have two in there? You know, it's kind of like the Clint Eastwood thing. Did I have two in there or did I have three? Are you feeling lucky? Um, so, you know, it, because you don't have at least 95% virtual, certainly you can't claim that your ball was known or virtually certain in the movable obstruction and you just have to uh, take a lost ball under 182
0: well, okay. If you thought that that was a little bit of a curly, whirly uh, question, you wait till you hear this week's uh, it's uh, as I said, it's a ding dong. Um, okay. We move on. Yeah. Let's go for it through, uh, pretty quickly. Now, Webo. thank you for your question. And if you do have a question, of any scenario situation in Broglio or the like, please always feel free to has the best, uh, the best way to get in touch uh, Blakey
1: uh, emails, the best golf rules, golfrules.questions
0: at gmail.com. Okay. Very good. Email and, uh, and Blakey will come back to you and we will give this a run in the, uh, in the podcast. Now let's play Webber's question. And it, I interluded that it made, uh, it makes reference to what happened last week, but this question from Webber was absolutely asked uh, a number of weeks before last week's Patrick Reed situation. So, you know, these situations do, do occur. So let's listen to uh, the great man himself, uh, Webbo, over in uh, the UK.
2: Hi, Roscoe Blakey. Hello. Webbo here. As we're in the midst of winter and it's soggy ground and we can't play unlike the Lucky Scots, question on embedded ball. Player hits his tee shot. It bounces once in the fairway. On the second bounce... It embeds into the fairway, very wet ground. Can he still claim free relief as it wasn't the original pitch mark? It's a second one. Second part to this, what happens if it bounces on the fairway and the second bounce is not visible? It's bounced over a hump or something like that and it's still in the pitch mark. Does that count as it could have just rolled into a pitch mark that was already there. And thirdly, regarding embedded ball, in the rules, it says you can't drop in sand, or if it's, sorry, if it's in sand and embedded, you're not entitled to free relief in the general area. What percentage of sand to grass does it need? Does this fall into? Just wonder if you could give us an explanation. Hope you're both well. Speak
0: to you soon. Well, thank you, Webbo. We are both uh, well over here in uh, Australia in the, in the summer. It's uh, You are. My uh, thoughts are with all of you guys in the UK. You know, I've got family, as and my wife has all her family in the UK who are you know, going through what we went through last year in this lockdown period uh, in the UK, or in England, no golf, as Webbo alludes to. In Scotland, they are allowed to play golf within their zones, so they've got the travelling... Um, Uh, restrictions like we had here, but that golf is still permitted. But unfortunately I don't think that there's a lot of golf being played at the moment in anywhere uh, in Scotland, because if you see the uh, pictures that are coming down the uh, Instagrams and the web, uh, there's a lot of snow falling in Scotland. I've not seen snow falling like that in that part of the world across such a wide area for such a long time, you know, like coastal areas have got snow, St. Andrews, you see the pictures of St. Andrews covered in snow, beautiful. Uh, I would have hated to have, um, had my uh, first uh, opportunity to tea time in the winter uh, at St. Andrews and to be caught off for snow, but uh, yeah, there's a lot of snow up there in Scotland at the moment, but uh, so there's not a lot of being played, but uh, yeah, as we both said, no golf down there. They're in lockdown thoughts with you. Stay safe over there in the UK. You know, there's a big job ahead of you. Uh, we went through our lockdown for three months and we had nothing compared to what you had. So get on top of it, get back out there and uh, do what they say. Get your jabs for your vaccines if you need to and whatever. Anyway, Blakey, back to you.
1: Uh, Yeah, so we've answered a few of these uh, questions last week, but there are a couple there from WebO that uh, we didn't quite get to. So thank you very much for your question, Andrew. Uh, So we did answer the first one about whether your ball can pitch uh, on the bounce. And that is true. It can, I mean, it could make a pitch mark the first. Uh, on the first bounce and then a pitch mark on the second and, and come to rest in the second, uh, just depending on the nature of the shot. Uh, so, yes, uh, a, a ball can be embedded in the general area on its uh, bounce if it's embedded in its pitch mark. The, uh, the pitch mark from the, the bounce is considered still considered a pitch mark that you get relief from. Uh, the second question is actually a really good one, and luckily... I have the book with me. So if it's easy to conclude that the ball is, is in its own pitch mark uh, in the general area and it's not in sand. Yep, that's right, Roscoe. Uh, then the so say is if the player sees the ball bounce and then sees it spin back towards its pitch mark, then you could... Uh, and come to rest in a pitch mark, it could be reasonably, reasonable to conclude that the ball was in your pitch mark and you could take free relief. However, if a player's tee shot lands in the fairway and the ball bounces over a hill to a position where it could not be seen from the tee, but is found in a pitch mark, it is not reasonable to conclude that the ball was embedded in its own pitch mark and the player is not allowed to take free relief under 16.3b. Uh, does that surprise you, Roscoe? Uh, a
0: little. surprises me. A little, yeah. Uh,
1: you know, I understand it, but,
0: uh, I was just going to say, nothing surprised me when it comes to the rules of golf, you know, like if you think they make sense or don't make sense, they're going to be both. So nothing surprised me, but yeah, it does surprise me a little.
1: Yeah. So basically if you don't see it, uh, and then it's ended up in a embedded mark, uh, in- embedded ball, then uh, bad luck. You're not permitted to take free relief. Hmm. And finally, for the sand one, uh, the rule itself, uh, 16.3A1 exceptions when the ball is embedded in sand in a part of the general area that is not cut to fairway height or less. Now, we have talked about this in the past, Roscoe, about sand versus soil. And when is sand, sand, and when is sand, soil, soil, I guess. And we did talk about, uh, you know, if there's grass growing, grass can't grow in sand, but that's, I think that was uh, proven wrong by someone saying that, uh, what about the sand dunes stuff? You know, I'm as say I'm. I'm not the
0: greenkeeper of my family. My yeah. brother, my brother is a greenkeeper of the family who's worked on some pretty big golf courses when he was a greenkeeper, coal miner now. But um, you know, worked with the likes of Bob Harrison on Greg Norman design courses and built them from the ground up. And you know, we play on the sand belt down here, and you know, sandy substrates are actually pretty good for building things on and growing growing things in because they just drain very well. So I think grass in sand uh, is a possibility, but the question for me, and we did cover it on your uh, on the on the podcast previously, and there's some great episodes, uh, great videos on the YouTube site. There was some from the tour. I think it was uh, um, it was in a tropical area, and Tony Fino, and there was another player involved. you know, hit their ball into the into the kaka, and um, you know, the situations are explained there. But you know, the question for me is is the question over sand and soil, and or soil and sand, and and when does it, if it is embedded, you know, like it's obviously soft. It's obviously wet. Um when is the question of when is it more soil and sand or when is it more sand and soil? Now we talked about the sand belt down here, whether it's loamy black sand and it's generally a lot of the paths of sand and a lot of the you know under areas are sandy sandy, sandier than soilier, if that's such a term. Um, it's a great it's a great question. Yeah. You know, when do you and it but if it gets wet and it can get wet in Melbourne obviously um you
1: know someone going to
0: say that it's, oh, that's plugged? Plugged in this. A
1: it's lot of those uh, sandy paths uh, that the players don't get free relief from because mm-hmm. they're not considered an artificial material. You know, the sand is there and if there's tyre tracks or whatever, it's just it's just bad luck. You just play it as it lies. Uh, I would. I, I'm still of the thinking and, you know, if you just – Try really trying to work out if it's in sand or it's in soil sand if it looks like sand tastes like sand no if it looks like sand and there's nothing growing that's where i would think that you are in sand and if you're in the rough you don't get free relief if you're in the fairway and your ball's embedded in sand then you are permitted to take free relief but if you're in the rough and it's in sand and there's nothing growing then I would think that you don't get free relief. Um, now, I do keep coming back to this if there's nothing growing on the basis of that nothing grows in sand. I'm just thinking maybe if it is growing in sand, the roots are so deep that they're in the soil. Mm. Is that a big stretch?
0: Good question. Uh, if you're a part of the, the golfing fraternity out there that is uh, an agronomist um, on the agronomy team, um, please let us know what you're Or, th- a, bo- or a botanist. Botanist, yeah, botanist, agronomist, any of the, uh, ists, uh, the isters the esters out there. Um, what I was going to ask: What if you're, you know, how sometimes you get a lazy golfer who empties their sand bucket on the middle of the fairway in a divot and creates a big sandy spot uh, in a divot, and your ball plugs in a divot, but it's a sand-filled divot with a lot of sand, and it's plugged.
1: Yeah, so that's there's two things here it, you can get an embedded ball in sand from a sandfield divot uh, it has to break the uh, surface of the ground and it has to pitch into that area it can't roll into it it has to pitch into it yep. so that's that's basically how you get free relief if it's it if it's pitched and it's in its own uh pipe mark in the sandfield divot then uh, you can get free relief in the fairway. Uh, otherwise, if it's just rolled into it, that's bad luck.
0: Now, if you listen to any of the commentary around uh, last week's situation with P. Reid, you know, they would refer to as breaking the plane, it broke the plane, got to break the plane. Is that right?
1: Yeah, surface of the ground, plane.
0: Oh, right. I'll like. i stick with surface of the ground, please. But, uh, but there you go. <laughs> if you're wondering what they were talking about, uh, if you are in this part of the world or and breaking the plane, uh, that was the surface of the ground. Now, let's move on. Have we answered that? We covered all that, is that good?
1: Yes, yeah. I think uh, hopefully webo has got all his answers. And Webo, if you're listening and you're not satisfied, please, please send in another question.
0: Webbo, thank you and uh, great feedback and we love having you on board. Thank you very much. I uh, might have something to send to you Webbo and uh, we'll come to that in a second, a little bit of housekeeping. A vaccine. Hopefully is already on top of that. Um, Listen, okay, let's move to Fiona Black. And Fiona, as I said, the young man's doing a fine job. He is a, has a savant-like uh, knowledge of the rules. And, you know, people keep subscribing and checking him out and all the great work he's doing for the golf community. And people love it. So uh, thank you for, you know, raising such a fine young man, sitting here opposite me now uh, talking about the rules. But you've got a question because you're obviously a golfer and you've bred a, a great golfer in, in your son. Um, so let's listen to your question, Fiona Black, all the way over there. Where's Fiona? Is she in Dunedin? G- Geraldine.
1: Geraldine, which is near Dunedin? An, a- an hour and a half or an hour and 50 minutes southwest of Christchurch.
0: Okay, between Christchurch and Dunedin.
1: Yeah, but inland. Inland. Mm-hmm. In from Omaru? Uh, just in from Timaru. Uh, just just north of Timaru uh, inland north west of Timaru inland. you're yeah, right any uh, on farms are we farming out up there in Geraldine? Uh, there's plenty of farms around uh, they they live in just a, a house of 700 meters squared or something but there's plenty of farms around Geraldine plenty of dairy farms lots of lots of cold cows. Sorry, uh, lots of lots I- of Frisian cows. <laughs> I visited uh, Blakey the other day. I had some um,
0: uh, some uh, things that we're going to talk about uh, later to drop off to him, and he came out to the car. Um, and he had his uh, he had his um, farming boots on. He came and greeted me. boots. Came and greeted me in his uh, new favourite choice of uh, footwear is gum boots. I was quite impressed that uh, just bringing out onto the streets of uh, Melbourne the gum boots. Uh, so it was good to see you, and uh, great to see you in your gum boots. Yeah, my uh, girlfriend got them for Christmas. Probably the best Christmas gift I've ever gotten. Now, let's uh, go to Fiona. Let's have a listen. I'll cue her up right now as we go.
1: Good morning, David. Two ladies putting on the ninth green realised they had the wrong ball. So when they were putting on the eighth green, they possibly changed their balls but didn't notice until they were putting on the ninth green. So they took a penalty each when they were on the ninth green and went back and teed off again from number nine tee with their right ball. What would be the penalty? Thank
0: you, Fiona. Speaking, thank you, Fiona. Speaking, yeah, she forgot about you though. Oh, well, that's all right, I'm quite forgetful. So, let's uh, let's just unpack that. So, did I hear it rightly? They were playing, maybe, maybe swapped their balls on the eighth, got to the ninth green, putted. Realised that they had swapped balls, agreed that they would take a penalty, and then returned to the ninth tee, and obviously started playing the ninth hole again.
1: Yeah, that sounds exactly right. Interesting in concept. Uh, there's many things that i have done wrong here.
0: Okay, so yeah, you know, let's let's take this seriously. It's it's a interesting situation. And obviously I believe, I believe from, um, from you that it is a real life situation. This actually happened for maybe some of Fiona's playing partners. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So, you know, the guys or girls who, who were involved, you know, obviously clearly we're trying very hard to do the right thing and, you know, well done. Um, and thank you for um, really taking the rules seriously and, and trying to implement them. And if you're a new golfer, and you find golf rules are hard to implement and understand. You know it's quite normal. You're just like every other new golfer that's trying to get their head around and learning a rule every week, learning something by playing with other people. And you know, here we've got a situation where clearly there was a little bit of confusion around how to handle that scenario. So Blakey, as you said, there's many things. I said it was a ding dong question. There are many things to to help these uh, to to guys guys girls that were involved in this. So let's let's unpack it.
1: Well, let's first say that it's match play. Uh, That's probably the easiest one to get out of the way. Firstly, they need to work out uh, who hit the wrong ball first on the eighth hole. So say one of them, say they're in the trees and one hit under the green and the other one hit under the green. Uh, Whoever hit the first wrong ball would have lost the hole. Or say they got under the green and they putted the wrong ball. Whoever hit the wrong ball first loses the hole. If they can't establish that, if they just have no idea when they change balls or the two balls were in the hole, one picked them out and threw the, their ball to the other the opponent and kept the opponent's ball, if they can't work it out or that happens, there's no, there's no penalty. You can't apply a penalty if you just have no idea. Right. So there's no penalty, and whatever the result of the hole was, that stands. So if it was a loss to that person, they still lose it. If it was a half, it was still a half. And if the that person wins it, they still win it, sort of thing. So then we get to the ninth, and whatever ball they tee off with is their correct ball. That's the most important thing here. Doesn't matter if if Ross, if you throw me a ball and you're the owner of that ball. If I put that ball into play on the on the first hole, second hole, whatever, that is now my ball. You might own it, but it's my ball for that hole. Okay? So when they teed off on the ninth with the ball that they held, they correctly proceeded by teeing off with a ball. They Let's say at the ninth, I know the ninth hole, it's a par three. So let's say that was their only shot on the hole. They both got onto the green. They walk up to the green and one of them says, oh, this is not my ball. And the other one goes, oh, this is not my ball. What's that one? And they realize that they've hit um, the other, what they think is the other person's ball. Then they should, you know, the rules would say that they're fine. They just carry on. But what they've done is they've picked up their balls and gone, well, we'll take a two-shot penalty and uh, go back and start the hole again. Now, in match play, you don't take a two-shot penalty. Uh, It would be loss a hole if you played a wrong ball, but they didn't play a wrong ball on the ninth. The potential here is that they played a wrong ball on the eighth, but they couldn't establish it. So they've actually done everything right. Now they've agreed, and they haven't agreed to waive a rule because they just don't know them, but they have agreed to do something that they're not supposed to do, uh, but they effectively are proceeding under 182 um, or 18, sorry, 18.1 19.2 uh, a, effectively they're going back to their last, their previous place played and taken and the penalty is one shot uh, if you do that so if a referee was trying to unpack this and someone said oh well I took it back to the, we both took it back to the tee and then I finished the hole out with three and I finished the hole out with four then the person who holed out with three would be the winner because they'd have the least shots so match play, it's a lot easier than stroke play. Hmm. Okay, so I think that that basically in match play, you can basically agree to do something that's not uh, by the book, not by the rules of golf, as long as you don't realize that you're doing something not by the book, the rules of golf. Does that make sense? So you can, you and I can agree to. Uh, that we start play the hole on the green. We just say it's a putting contest and we start play the hole on the green. If we know that that's a breach of the rules and surely you'd know, uh, then you're going to be disqual- You're both going to be disqualified for a green to a waiver rule. But you, if you're a new golfer and you have no idea and you, it's raining and you're like, I don't want to play the whole round. We'll just try and get things done as quickly as possible. Um, and you had no idea that there was a breach, then you could actually legitimately, legitimately do that and there would be no issue because you haven't agreed to waive a rule because you don't know the rule that you've actually agreed to waive. Right. Is that is that good for match play? Yep. Okay, stroke play. Now, stroke play is a little bit harder because remember, you're playing uh, the rest... You're playing the rest of the field. But under the interpretation of 6.3a slash one, what to do when balls exchanged at unknown place. So if if after holding out, two players discovered that they have finished a hole with the other player's ball, but cannot establish whether the balls were exchanged during the play of the hole, there is no penalty. So that includes in stroke play as well, that there would be no penalty. Okay. So you get a little bit, they get a little bit lucky on the eighth. And then they get to the ninth and they realize that on the ninth green that they've played this wrong ball. Uh, if I should first say that if they did realize on that they had changed it on the eighth, they're like, oh, I hit my ball just short. And she's like, oh, I thought I hit my ball just short. And then, you know, they work out that they both hit the wrong ball on the eighth and then they've teed off on the ninth, then they're disqualified. Okay. Should I start that again or is that okay? Just just backtrack over it again for... Uh... Yeah, uh, just because I think I jumped around a little bit. So they've played the eighth hole. They've swapped balls by both of them hitting a wrong ball. Uh, they both get the penalty of two shots and they must correct their error before they tee off on the next hole or in the case of the last green played before they hand in their scorecards. They didn't correct their error before they teed off on the ninth, so they're disqualified from the round. Or if they're playing a Stableford, they're just disqualified from that hole. So the eighth hole, they'd have a zero points. If it was a stroke play, uh, you know, a simple stroke play event, they'd be disqualified for the whole round.
0: But did you say that the, if they finished the round, you know, got to the ten, the, the halfway and got to the uh... Pro Shop and
1: you know, clarified that. Could they go back and play the eighth again? No. Once they teed off on the ninth, they are disqualified. So if they knew, if they had actually worked out with the they'd exchanged the ball and that was during the play of the hole and they both hit wrong balls, then they both incur the penalty and must correct the mistake. They didn't correct the mistake before they teed off in the next hole. Uh, so they're both disqualified. Okay. Well, okay. So, so that's so. Um, so that was, if they do know and they work it out and they didn't fix their mistake, they're both disqualified. If it was unknown, then they're not going to get a penalty and they're free to play the ninth hole. Okay. Okay. And now, if they say they it was the unknown and they've teed off the ninth, that's all good, and they get onto the green and they realize that they've hit the wrong ball, but they actually haven't, and they go back to the uh, tee. Then they're going back to their previous place played. That's fine. They get sort of lucky under hitting uh, stroke and distance, uh, 18.1. And they just take the one-shot penalty, and now they're hitting their third shots onto the green. Okay? But even though they didn't have to? Even though they didn't have to, no. So they, they did everything correct. If it was unknown on eight, and they're all sweet to tee off on nine... Uh, and they've teed it off and hit it on the green. They didn't, they don't, that's the ball, that's their balls in play. And now they've gone, oh, we need to go back and rectify this. Well, it's a one shot penalty and they swap balls, which is fine because you can use any other, any ball. And now they've hit their ball back. But the, the and then they can finish out the hole and say one hole's a putt for four and the other holes uh, has a two putt for, that have a five. Okay. The tricky thing would be, the tricky thing would be, is if they hit it to the front of the green, both of them, chipped on and then realised that they weren't playing the ball that they thought they should be playing. So they're two on the green. Then they go back to the tee, which was not their last or their previous place played. Okay, It's actually the previous, previous place played which you're not, there's no rule allowing you to go to the previous, previous place played unless it's from outside uh, uh, from when you hit your ball in a penalty area to another place in the penalty area, you can actually go back outside anyway, that's another podcast right, so they've gone two on the green they've taken a penalty under stroke and distance back to the tee, that's three each but they've teeing off again from a wrong place so they add another two each so they're on five and now they're hitting their third uh, their other shot so that's six and if they both put on the green and hole out they make a seven okay uh so yeah i well <laughs> i was talking to my mom about this and she sort of she, uh, you know, she wanted to sort of send this message in, and um, probably left out a few details, uh, but that's all right. Uh, good on your mum for sending in a question. Uh, but I, I, some of the, uh, some of the ways that they go about, um, uh, you know, making sure the rules are played by which they do. They want to play by the rules. And as you said, it can be quite tricky for beginner golfers. I mean, it can be tricky for golfers that have been playing for 40 years because of the changes as well. Uh, But a lot of the times their procedure as well, they weren't playing that well. So don't worry about it. Uh, Which I can't really say that I'm, I definitely don't encourage that.
0: Yeah. No, you've got to You've got to intent and show intent to abide by the rules by keeping it when you when you do need
1: to keep going. But anyway, well, while well, the the important thing about that, Roscoe, is if uh, it's not going to happen so much for a, like a one or two handicapper, it could, but the scenario where a thirty handicapper has what you know hit, hits a wrong ball and or does something it's a wrong place it's a serious breach or it just does something and just isn't penalized how they should be and they end up having a like an 11 or 12 on the hole and you go oh they're not playing that well anyway it's not going to matter they're not going to win the comp you know the they turn on the back nine had a pie at the halfway hut had nine straight pars off a of 30 handicap and end up winning the competition, even though they had that 11, that should have been a 13 or should have been a disqualification. And, and uh, who's going to tell that person then when they should have told them at the time.
0: I think uh, everyone's going to have to listen back to this whole scenario and listen to it a couple of times to really uh, get their head around. Um, Hopefully it doesn't happen that many times to the people who are listening, who play more frequently. Um, if it does and you are someone that needs a little bit more clarification can they come to you directly David?
1: Yeah yeah absolutely I don't think I'll give out my phone number but uh, maybe 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 they can $10 a week or something I'll give them my phone number out
0: Imagine that imagine that you've got a special GRQ um, hotline and you can just text WhatsApp call and, uh, and subscribe to that service there you go that'd be nice there's an idea there's a there's a entrepreneurial
1: idea for you David? I mean I'm basically on Instagram almost 24 hours a day so they can just do it uh, at the moment but uh, you know we, we could have a service level of uh, 10 bucks a month or uh, 10 bucks a week or five bucks a week or a dollar a week. Are you on Instagram all the time? Pretty much. Really? Yeah. I wouldn't have thought that. Although I do, uh, good one Roscoe, um, I do, uh, I am starting to Flow or get the get more people on YouTube. I, I just prefer YouTube as a medium. Um, it just seems to work better for me.
0: Now, a little bit of housekeeping. Uh, speaking of entrepreneurial pursuits, uh, thank you for leading down that way. Now, I'm, this is without notice to you, but um, they're all sitting here with me. Uh, we had some artwork done. We had uh, we, we had a meeting. We thought, well, how do we represent uh, the Golf Rules Questions podcast? Representing, you know, your logo of the kangaroo you like uh, you like the kangaroo you can see that in the GRQ um, current logo of the podcast and and all the other GRQ stuff and how do we you know bring me hanging on to the uh, GRQ coattails how do we bring and represent uh, me as part of something that we could potentially give away uh, give away a few of uh, to the listeners who are interested in stickers seems to be a thing to do people give away stickers now I've had a couple of stickers made one for us, one for me on the mile of golf podcast, the mile of golf podcast sticker made it onto the way to Matt Mollica's uh, back of his computer onto his golf travel case. And it sits alongside the shotgun start, no laying up uh, less than 14. So I'm pretty proud that the sticker is on there with some other, you know, reasonably um, not reasonably very well um, adept at uh, producing golf content. So that's, the My Love of Golf podcast logo. But how we chose to represent yourself and myself in, in a podcast and a de- deckle in a fun way is is that, Blakey. Now, as a listener, you won't be able to see that. You might have to go to Instagram and see it. It's the uh, what I'm going to call, and this is um, without notice to you, Blakey, I'm going to call the, uh, the the guy, the kangaroo, the GRQ-roo, and uh, he's taking a legal drop. So this is a bit of fun, a bit just a bit of levity around the, uh, the rules uh, that we talk about. So the GRQ Roo is taking a legal drop, you know, old style over the back of his shoulder, back uh, when I was uh, first dropping balls from uh, over the shoulder. Some people might remember that. And then we've got the, uh, the GRQ Coup. That's C-double-O, Coup, the Roo and the Coup. Um, now the, if you can see that on the, on the video and go to the YouTube, if you can't, you can see the GRQ coup is, uh, is a Highland, is an interpretation of a Highland cow with a little tartan kilt on. And he's, uh, he's kicking the ball. He is kicking the ball out for him to get a better lie and, uh, and shushing the roo. So obviously a bit of a fun take on, on what we try and do here. And that is obviously uphold the rules. So we've got these little decals here that are, yeah, a bit of, uh, a bit of fun the GRQ Rue and the grq coup now i'm going to suggest that if anyone wants one of these they email into you blakey can is that okay is that okay to suggest that yep
2: absolutely
0: uh, and we definitely will send them i uh, don't care what part of the world you're in we will commit to sending uh these uh, decals and i'll even include uh, a my love of golf podcast uh decal for you to represent in whatever part of australia or the world you are uh and we will send them out so if anyone wants those we don't have Heaps and heaps and heaps, so we will send some. We've only got as many as we've got, and so we'll send some out. So, you know, the first, the first dozen or so, you know, we'll get, we'll get a little sticker pack. Mile of Golf Log podcast, part of the pod, podcast family, and the GRQ Roo and GRQ Coo.
1: How's that grab you, Blakey? Yeah, fantastic. Now, I, I will apologize. I, I'm not the best at uh, postage uh, on time, but it, it will get to you. Uh, it's just... Uh, don't expect
0: it. Don't hold, hold your breath. Well, those things are easy to post. The guys that, um, uh, get I it, our hats, too. The hats, uh, when I went to see inspect Blakey's gumboots the other day, I, he asked me about the hats He's, and I said, Oh jeez, I forgot. Um, uh, I actually had them with me. Um,
1: oh. <laughs> oh, 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 that's even worse.
0: Cause he, cause you sent me the, you sent me the uh, addresses to send them to. I said, mate, you know, I'll give I've got the hats you do the admin of the postage and uh, I actually had them on board so I need I need to get them back to you so you can do the admin of posting them out
1: yeah okay oh Tim Rusty you have already already given Ian his and uh and Andrew Miller uh, I want to
0: yeah there you go uh last bit of housekeeping uh no there's two more bits of housekeeping we've got uh the background bingo Yes, quick background bingo. Who got that, Blakey? Who- uh, I had a few
1: get that. Chris Clark on YouTube. Good. A few more players of background bingo. That's what we like to and see. And Andrew Miller. It uh, certainly got yours. You did. Uh, and a really good friend of the podcast, Peter Abraham from New South Wales. He also got carne and uh, – sorry, I butchered that name. And I just think of like the meat eater, carne. Um that's Fleisch in German. Now, uh, he actually has played and got a shirt. So, um, yeah, he was telling me how, how he'd been to Karnay. So thank you for that, Peter.
0: Can I just give you multiple ibas for the inappropriate and <laughs> the same word? Weepers, weepers. My-, my mother-in-law, my dear mother-in-law in Scotland, is actually from the town of Belmont. Now, anyone that's been to Carn. Will know that mullet is the town from Carn Golf Club. Uh, it's a wonderful track. I haven't played there. I have not been to Belmullet, the hometown of my mother-in-law, Agnes. How are you, Agnes? Doesn't listen to the podcast. Doesn't have a. <laughs> won't have a golf rules question. Doesn't play golf. Never played. Never played golf. But she's from Belmullet. It's a beautiful part of the world. And uh, that was Carn. Yes, you are correct. It's not Carnay. Eh? It's Carn.
1: Well, isn't it, what's the Spanish word for me?
0: Carn so it's always yeah. I don't care where you're from
1: oh, <laughs> Can't on yeah uh, and mine was uh, Chris Clark got that as well it was Clearwater in Christchurch Clearwater Golf Club in Christchurch now this week uh, what's the hint for this one Northern Hemisphere of uh, I did I did mention that I was gonna. One of the listeners uh, said that you can't guess them because they're always in New Zealand and Australia. Well, I've finally, finally got out of um, Oceania region, so surely you can get this one. If you're okay. watching, if you're watching the TV this week, surely you can get this one. Well, you've
0: pretty much given it away. It can only be can only be one of two. Uh, that's at the. So, if you're watching golf this week, um,
1: where are they playing in the US? Well, there you go. There's a hint.
0: And um, Well,
1: I didn't say golf. I just said if you're watching TV.
0: Okay. Sorry. I've given it more away. Okay.
1: And uh, my
0: my course there is also Northern Hemisphere. And uh, it's pretty easy to guess what part of the world that is. It's currently doesn't look anything like that. It's covered in snow. Bro. Okay. Great. And if you have a picture of this course covered in snow, I'd love to see it. I'd love to put that into the uh, catalogue of uh, photos that that, I have access to. This is one that I took. Um, But uh, if you can get me a photo of this place covered in snow, bro, that'd
1: be great. So we could even go there, the Roo and Koo. Go to the SNOO Roo.
0: There's not too many Koo's around this part of uh, that part of the world, but uh, not too far away. There is always some uh, DRQ Koo's. No. Well, there definitely
1: wouldn't be any ruse. Oh, and just on the roo, can you just hold the picture, the sticker up again? Uh, just for technicality purposes, uh, kangaroos don't have knees. So it is quite difficult to drop from knee height if you're a kangaroo. Uh,
0: I should have given a shout-out to uh, Nicholas Mills. He's from uh, Sandville Studios, uh, a very talented young man in Melbourne has his fingers in a lot, number of golf projects um, and pies from his own uh, design work that he does. You know, he's done designs for um, the Buck Club, you know, the course that they're building over there. He uh, designs little fun graphics like that. Uh, he's got his own golf clubs and clothing stuff. Uh, Millsy, who's just a young lad from Mornington, and I uh, know his dad pretty well, uh, great young talented man, and he was kind enough to, uh, to whiz those designs up for us, mate. So thank you to Nicholas Mills. Thanks, Nick. Spelled N i c k l a
1: u s, as you would want Nicholas to be spelled. If Does he go by Nick as well, or just or just Nicholas?
0: Uh, yeah, I think he answers to both. Um, Millsy, Millsy, to me, but uh, he's a great, great talented young man. Stan, Sand built studios, uh, and you can see that on Instagram. And you can see all the work that he's done. Lastly, uh, as we wrap this up, we've probably gone on a bit too long, but we had those uh, questions to unpack. Uh, let's. Um, can can I do this week's question, Blakey? Can I read that in my yeah, ever-practising radio voiceover voice?
1: The most favourite segment of the podcast, the uh, Golf Rules Question of the Week, Episode Twenty Eight. Take it away, Roscoe. Thanks for
0: that introduction, David. So this week's question: When two balls are an equal distance from the flagstick, are you? and your opponent permitted to use paper, rock, scissors as a legitimate way to determine who will play first. Are you allowed to use paper, rock, scissors as a legitimate way to determine who play
1: first? That is outrageous. Are you a good paper, rock, scissors player?
0: No. I've got no one to play with. My wife won't entertain that sort of stuff. I
1: I have a game with you right
0: now. I try and entertain that with uh, Mrs. My Love of Golf, and she... Gives me a nipple cripple, mate, you know. Like she'd be silly, you know. Like there's 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 a the scissors right there. Get out of my way. <laughs> that's what, that's how she deals with me. What I want to be do that sort of thing. Okay, let's pay a paper rock scissors. Okay. Best of three. What, uh, what
1: who went? What what's on the line here? What's the stakes? Uh what is the stakes? You have to pay for my my next round at PK. And um, and for me, if I win? Well, you have to come up with whatever you want. That's got you on the spot. Okay.
0: You have to pay for something. Okay. anyway. <laughs> okay. Ready? One, two, three. Yeah. This is going to take up. Oh, a- one, two, three. One to me. One, two, three. Two to me. Oh. Three. I've got him with the double paper. Uh, paper beats rock always. Thank you very much. Uh, I win. I will let you know what the punishment is with <laughs> to the value of a round of PK, which is, might have just gone up, by the way. $300 it is now for our guest down there, Blakey. So, wow. <laughs> I'll think of something nice.
1: Is that it? Are I think we done? that's it. Yeah. People well, are sick of us.
0: Thanks for tuning in. If you stayed this far, we do appreciate you listening. Uh, As always, like, rate, subscribe, share. Tell your friends that uh, there's these two blitherers talking about golf rules. And if you want to know something about them, to get in touch with them, that'd be great. And until next time, Blakey, do you want to say goodbye? See you, bro. All right. We'll see you next time on the Golf Rules Questions podcast. Thanks for joining us. Really do appreciate you.